This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Stephen's having issues with his microphone, sorry, as I giggle. I've got special guests here. Okay, you know what you do? Try going up. Yeah, yeah, actually like All this. Right. Go up and then down. We're good. Anyway, we're here. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, Emma. Welcome, Stephen. Welcome back. Both of the bigs are here, the, the bigs gardening duo. Oh, hey, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm glad to have you. Of course, you're such busy people. You're authors, speakers, gardeners, campers, and uh, podcasters yourself. So we'll get into a bit of, of you know, thanking you ahead of time for putting a little bit of time for us, because uh, it's the time of year, right? It's uh, Emma is a tomato oh, yeah. specialist, so if you've got tomato questions, get them going, because Emma's here. On the other hand, Stephen is a fig pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, sure he's, and he brought me some figs, so I'm going to have to do a little taste of some fresh, sweet, hot off the, the, the tree figs. We picked those just as we were hopping in the car to come here. And, and a bird got there just uh, before you. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I hope Joel is listening, because Joel is a listener from Cambridge who called in about three or four weeks ago with some questions about figs and growing figs outside, et cetera, et cetera. So, Joel, if you're listening, this is going to be your chance to talk to the fig pig, Stephen Biggs. Who would like to read the phone numbers to encourage people to give us a call? Okay. If you are in the Toronto area, 416-360-0740 and toll-free is 866-740-4740. Lovely. Good job, Stephen. Hey, um, before we get too far into the show, shout out to Lorna Gold, my Mm sister-in-law, who is somebody you know as well. Yeah. Hey, Lorna. Lorna is a good friend of your neighbors and uh, your neighbor, Anna, is, uh, and you guys live in North York, so you're pretty, pretty local. So any questions you have about gardening in the GTA, both Emma and Stephen are well-seasoned at GTA Gardening. I used to be until I moved two hours east, and now I'm well-seasoned into drought gardening. My well went dry yesterday. Oh, no. Uh Can you imagine? You know, you're brushing your teeth and then there's no water. I'd be worried about the plants. That's where the water went, unfortunately. Yeah. So then, take your priorities. (laughs) Emergency phone call to Uh the the water tanker delivery guy. (laughs) And then the other thing is, it's a two hundred and fifty foot hose from my my driveway to my well. Anyway, it's it was. It's it's life in the country. We're learning. We're pivoting. We're being resilient all the time. <laughs> so, lots and lots of fun. Um, everybody who is interested in doing some virtual gardening, the Agent Court Garden Club is got some virtual stuff going on, and they love guests. Guests are always welcome, and they're hoping, of course, that you'll join. But you can certainly be a guest right off the top. The Agent Court Garden Club has a Zoom meeting seven o'clock on September the thirteenth. So coming up seven p.m. The topic is why. 
water gardens from around the world. If you'd like to uh, be part of the Zoom event, call Cheryl. She's the president. She'll set you up, give you the right uh, information, 416-414-7704. And we will have to go for a break in about two seconds. I'm, I'm going to let you guys get a word in edgewise, I promise. But <laughs> I just want to remind all our listeners that we are still in production of the Healing Gardens documentary, and we're starting another episode tomorrow at the Evergreen Brickworks, which is hopefully going to be a lot of fun, gardening with kids. So back in a flash after this quick break, and callers, keep those phone lines full, and Stephen and Emma are here to share some of their gardening tips with you as well. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we're back. I just want to say another welcome. Steve and Emma Biggs are with me in studio. Thanks for coming, you two. Hey, yeah, thanks for having thank us. thank you. And uh, we do have a number of callers. So let's uh, let's go to Catherine in, Ham- in Waterloo and see what she's got going on. And we will get to your story. Don't, don't worry. Everybody keep listening. <laughs> good morning, Catherine. Good, good morning, Charlie. Yes, I have a question. I have a city tree, maple leaf, I uh, out in front of my house. Um, it, I thought it was turning colors already, but mm-hmm. no. I I looked closer, and it's it's dr- the leaves are just dry. So I started watering it. Uh, do you, uh, do you think it'll m- make a difference? Oh, I would say so, yes. Is it crispy? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you do, Stephen, if you had a city tree out front that was crispy in third week of August? Yeah. Uh, Well, I think you're on the right track with watering it, Catherine. Oh. And um, I'd say you'll have to wait and see, but there's a good chance, even if those leaves have dried out, that good chance it'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Next. Year, huh? Next year, exactly, because you know early uh, um, plants that are stressed will go into will defoliate early, so drop leaves early or turn color early. Like I certainly in my neighborhood, I see branches of some of the maples are starting to show some tinges of color. You're probably mm-hmm. seeing that in North York as well, right? You too. Yeah, we were just yeah. out camping and on the shoreline where some of the red maples were on rocks. You could see those ones changing color already yeah, yeah. at the end of July. So, right. But they'll they'll be back next oh. year. So I'm hopeful oh. for you, Catherine, that <laughs> it'll be the same case with your maple tree. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just don't water it every day, obviously, Catherine. Give it a no. nice slow trickle with your hose. Right. I assume it's a fair-sized older tree. So slow trickle for a couple hours, move the hose around the drip line, so not right at the trunk, out at the edges where the water drips off the branches oh, okay. is the oh drip line. That's where your feeder roots are. So you want to water thoroughly out there. Never put your water right up against the trunk of a tree. There's no feeder roots there and the bark doesn't like being that wet. So um, yeah, throw watering and then leave it alone for a week or so. Don't, uh, don't keep doing that every day. That's no, right. no. And, and what Charlie said, that thorough watering, you want it to be deep down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want it just to be the surface. Right. The top inch where we feed the weeds or the grass or something. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how dry the soil is. It, we have had a very, very dry August right across southern Ontario, right probably across most mm-hmm. of Ontario. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good, good point. Get on that. Thanks for calling, Catherine. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> and let's go to Yasmin calling in from Hamilton. Good morning, Yasmin. Well, you... What's going on at your place? Um, 
I have a fig tree, and I got interested when I heard you said Stephen has figs. It's mm. one of those Fortino's um, hardy figs, mm. and I've had it for about five years. In August, I mean, it grows beautifully every, I get it, it's about four feet high by August, and I get two or three fruit starting at this time, but I can never get it ripe enough to eat. Yeah. Okay. Yasmin, what are you doing with it over the winter? Oh, I leave it outside because they say it's a hardy fig. So it's in the ground outside. Okay, and tell me, do the branches die back? Yes, they do. Okay, so there's there's the challenge that that tree might be hardy in in some places, but not consistently in Ontario, and it's not starting to grow early enough for those figs to ripen. So, ideally, what most people will do here in Toronto and in Hamilton. They will grow a fig. They bring it indoors, in, yeah. In a pot. Or the other thing you can do is to plant it in the ground like you have. Yeah, to bury it, yeah. To bury it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what I do. I don't actually bury it. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I tip my plants over. So I loosen the soil on one side. I tip okay. them t- flat to the ground. And then I cover them with straw bales. It's a whole lot less work than burying it. So think about okay. something like that. And so, so that is a, a particularly hardy variety you have, but it still doesn't really cut it in mm-hmm. Hamilton or here in Toronto. You need to move to okay. St. Catharines. So when you say you cover it with straw bale, you cover the plant or the roots? Both. Uh, both. Yeah. And so... Both. So it's okay. So it's a la- if it's four feet, you need two straw bales to cover it then. Yeah. So before you tip the plant flat to the ground, tie it up with rope so it's smaller and nice and tight. And then, yes, probably... I use two or three straw bales on each plant, and my plants are six or seven feet high. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, cool. Eh? And then, do you prune it in the spring at all? Do you do you prune the branches? Prune it uh, while it's dormant, usually in uh, early spring, or even you might find it makes sense to prune it in the fall before you tip it over, mm. because that way uh, there will be fewer branches for you to cover. Mm, makes okay. sense. All right. Mm. Mm. Okay, thank you so much. Either that or build I'm going to try it and let you know next year. Yeah, yeah. thanks for calling, for <laughs> sure. Give us an update. Yeah, we want that. Yeah, I've seen where people actually end up growing or building a greenhouse around a fig, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So, And then the greenhouse has to grow as the fig grows. You end up with these massive trees. It's bigger yeah. and bigger. It's well, Dad, cool. I've been bugging you for a greenhouse, so maybe I'll give you a little corner for figs if we can get one. <laughs> the, the pressure's on. I love it. Emma's going to give you a little corner. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Who runs that garden at your place anyway? <laughs> um, just yeah let's see we have a chance for a quick break here so let's do that when we come back we'll get well, let's give the numbers i mean you want to do the numbers just before we go for a break and then uh I'm, you're going to tell us a little bit about what's going on in your gardens okay yeah so for our local friends it's 416-360-0740 and toll free is one eight six six seven four zero four seven um four zero. Perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And again, so nice to have you here. You know those fig answers way better than I do. Huh? And I'm gonna start tasting this fig on the break. Oh, we'll be good. right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we're back here. Thank you. So, uh, just, uh, Stephen was, I'm tasting a fig, which is 
Woo, delicious, melting in my mouth. So good. So uh, Stephen was just telling me a story about meeting a person in the Clappens, Clappens Corner area, yeah. a fig grower. I was driving on Highway 5, Clappens Corners. I saw the hand-painted sign that said figs for sale. So I couldn't resist, of course. And I popped in there. And uh, and the, the person had a, a sales yard with a few potted figs. But I think once I started asking questions, he knew I wouldn't shut up. So he, he motioned to me with his finger, come this way. And I got to see his greenhouse where he had the, the mother plants for the figs. He had some prickly pear cactus. Mm. and but, but interestingly, he was regretting having planted the figs in the greenhouse because they're such rampant growers when you give them warm conditions right yeah. so the and the roots and the entire plants so he had planted them in the ground in the greenhouse that's yeah. right yeah. but anyway this particular fig that you're eating mm. charlie yeah, so is one that has a really heavy early crop and that's the crop that starts to ripen in july so for anybody thinking about growing figs you want to know that there's a, a July crop, an early crop on last year's wood, mm -hmm. and then we get an autumn crop or late summer crop on wood from the present year. Wow, nice. Yeah. And is, that, is there a name for that fig? This one he had labeled Soda, but I haven't seen it in commerce, so mm. uh, I don't know if it... You know, often you find these yeah, things have different names. And they've been brought, right? And their family, you know, they've, who knows? Yeah, they're personal names, really. Yeah, <laughs> this it. is grandpa's, and this yeah. was, you know, Aunt Lily's. Or, or you'll see them labeled black Greek or, or white right. Italian. It's kind of like garlic, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. You get your purple, your white, your black, It's and it's connected to the country it came from, um, as opposed to being a real named cultivar, which is not a bad thing. I'm not a big fan of plant patents at the best of times. Yeah. So um, tell me, Emma, tomato guru that you are, yeah. how's the tomato season going? It's been good. I mean, I've been carrying in big baskets full of tomatoes every single day, and I think it's probably one of the biggest yields I've ever had. And so I I kind of saved up the tomatoes for about a week. And then yesterday I spent the entire day processing tomatoes. So I took a million photos of them. Of course, I filled up my entire camera roll and then I was seed saving so that I can grow lots of those seeds again and I'm going to be selling some. And so that was my whole day. But you know what? I love it. So yeah. I'm pretty happy about that. Did you keep counting how many different kinds of tomatoes you started this spring? Yeah, I think I have about 80 varieties in the garden at the moment and 100 plants. Oh, so wow. Quite a few. It's quite a few. It's right. Now, I saw on Instagram, this was a few days ago, because um, you this is one of your things you've been doing is harvesting, mm -hmm. photographing, tasting, because you, you're, there's those tasting notes, just uh -huh. like a, a good wine, a good tomato has its notes. So you've been keeping track of all the different flavors and, you know, or like obviously yeah. dates of maturity and all that important stuff. And some of them are absolutely beautiful. They just don't uh -huh. even look like oh, regular man. tomatoes. Right? Yeah, well, I've, been, I've started keeping notes because I found for the last few years I didn't. And then I'm trying to go back in my mind and I'm like, I grew this tomato three years ago. What did it taste like? Yeah, Should I grow it again? again I, exactly. I can't remember. I'm maybe at 150 varieties that I've grown uh, now, overall. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep notes and try and start keeping track of this. So I'm growing a tomato that I'm really liking. I've never grown it before. It's called Primo Red. Does that mean anything to you? I've heard the name before, but never grown it. So it's a determinant. So it's, it means it's not going to go eight feet tall. It's, yeah. I've got four of them in four big 20-gallon pots. Nice. And um, they, it, it's nice because I, I did put tomato cages, and they, ha they have gotten a little bigger than I expected. But nevertheless, they're, they're manageable. But the crop is phenomenal. And they're nice. nice. They're they're like they're like a beefsteak in the sense of the size and the the meatiness of them, and sweet, good, really good awesome. tasting. Not too many seeds. Um, I'd recommend it. Primo Red. 
Okay. If you uh, want one to try, I mean, it's yeah. pretty ordinary. I know you, what you're you're into the purples and pinks oh, and yeah. stripes and spots and. Well, so. I love the weird looking ones. Me That's too. kind of what excites me. I want good flavor, of course, yeah. but I always go for trying to get a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. But my tomato list of all the ones I should grow just keeps growing and growing. <laughs> and I think it's longer. Then it then it's never shortens, yeah, does it? Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna have to get yourself a farm someday, uh-huh. there, girl. Oh yeah. That suburban lot that you and your dad are sharing, and though I guess your dad's had to give up a lot mm-hmm. of space for you, yeah. <laughs> has uh-huh. its limitations. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Any any favorites this year? Yeah, well, I have a lot of favorites. There's mm-hmm. lots that I'm really liking so far. But one of my favorites from last year is a variety called Paul Robeson. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice larger beefsteak. And it's kind of like a brownie red color. Um, often keeps a little bit of green on the shoulders when it's fully ripe. But it's the flavor that I really love. People have described it as smoky before, but I find it just super rich and sweet. And it's just so delicious. So that's one of my favorites. And I'd highly recommend it to anyone. And you'll be selling seeds of this, I imagine. I will be. So you're saving seeds now. So you're cutting open tomatoes, pulling out seeds, washing off the little gel stuff on them, I assume. So for tomato seeds, to get that little gel off, you actually ferment the seeds. So I've been putting them in labeled glass jars, and then I leave them for a few days to ferment and then you wash them off and rinse out all the pulp Mm. and the gel and you're left with really nice clean seeds like what you'd see Mm. when you buy tomato Mm -hmm. seeds from any seed company. And I have to say it's torture for my wife Shelly and me because all of these gorgeous tomatoes come in from the garden and we are not allowed to touch them. Emma will say hands off and all I want is a bacon and tomato sandwich but I can't touch them. You don't even get one? Well, you know what I thought after the fact. Uh, You know what I thought dad was going to say is the fact that the fermenting smells really bad. So I thought he was going to say that part was it's torture. killing, yeah. <laughs> killing both of you. <laughs> but mm. you don't, you, I mean, you eat some obviously yeah. and you process some, you make like sauces or any of that sort of thing. Yeah. You got time for all I that? I love well, a good tomato after sandwich. After Emma has de-seeded a big batch, I'm left with all of these chunks of tomatoes. <laughs> there so they you go. go. Right into, into a tomato sauce. Pot, mm. pot yeah. and a long, long, long slow simmer. Yeah. Nice fresh garlic, some fresh basil. Yes. Oh, we've yeah. been, we've been doing that too. We've just had such a good, it's been a very good tomato year don't you think mm-hmm. lots of tomatoes but with yeah. the heat excellent flavor mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Really productive, but I have found um, July was pretty wet, so mm-hmm. there is a bit of disease coming on, so yeah. I need to get on top of my pruning. That's right, because you are growing them so close together, you yeah. have to do a lot of um, very careful pruning to maximize air circulation and yeah. sunshine and all that. Well, you know, I said I was going to grow less varieties this year so I could space them out a little <laughs> bit more, but then I wrote a list of all the tomato seeds that I own and I bought, and it was massive, and then I just went and I highlighted the ones that I couldn't live without. And it was really long, and I added a few new ones I wanted, and I ended up with 80 varieties. So they did end up pretty close together. But Again. If, if I'm on, good at my job, I think I can make it work, and it has so far worked really well. Okay, though I'm not so sure about that. I think it's one of those It just gets, you know, got, can't live without this one, got to try this uh-huh. one, you know. I don't know if so that that's ever, what tomatoes are like. ever changes. Well, for anybody with a favorite crop, too, right? Yeah, like I was like that with figs. <clears throat> I was up to 50 varieties for a while. Wow, yeah. And, uh, but then the family said we'd like the garage back in the winter <laughs> so i've been paring back <laughs> so what are you down for, to now how I many think f- maybe around 20 oh my from 50 and, good uh, for you 
the thing is, uh, it's hard for me to get rid of a fig without having tasted it. So right. I had all these plants, but I felt as if I needed to coax them along so I could taste T- these figs. And if they're really good, you had to keep them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you, just to uh, let our listeners know, you two have a podcast that you do sharing yeah. stories like this on um, what's going on in your respective gardening corners uh, on your suburban lot in North York, which I think is so lovely. And the, what's the name of the podcast if somebody wants to listen to you? Because it's a monthly, you, you uh, air actually, monthly. So uh, what we do is we have a live radio show weekly, okay. Reality Radio 101. Or it's monthly. Inter- uh, monthly, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's what I meant to yeah. say. But then our podcast is weekly. Oh, I see. And uh, so we talk about our garden, but then we get some fun people in too. Recently, we had the Indiana Jones of pawpaw fruit oh, come wow. and join us. So we, uh-huh. we found this guy who has just gone all over North America in the States, Primarily tracking down really? genetics for all of these neat pawpaw varieties. And yeah. where, is he, where does he live? He is in West Virginia. I think so. Wow. Neil Peterson of Peterson's Pawpaws. And the guy has devoted his whole life to improving this crop, which had very few yeah. uh, improved varieties. It's exactly. It's just been allowed to kind of uh, land. What's the word I'm looking for? Just hang out all by itself. It's not a, it is a native. It's an amazing tree. I tried to plant, I tried to grow some seeds, but I failed. Oh no. <laughs> I got them from Sean Patil. Uh-huh. You know, Sean, he used to be the horticulturalist at Humber Nurseries. Okay. <clears throat> and, and where you are too, Papa's should grow there. exactly yeah. i mean so i'm, I'm mm-hmm. edged yeah exactly it's it though i'm not really at that i'm on the water sort of you know i've got that gentle less freezing than you have when you get up 401 407 area but i'm pretty windswept right now i gotta get some trees growing and then mm-hmm. i'll be in the place to grow pawpaws yeah. <laughs> i hope yeah. all right let's go to one of our callers we have john calling in from mississauga our old friend john hello john good morning good morning ladies and gentlemen because uh, i know charlie but i don't know the name of the other so That's... i'm very sorry, Hi, sorry. John. Um, if i may make a comment charlie um i really enjoyed the, the last comments about tomatoes uh, me and my wife would probably grow around 33 plants of tomatoes, various. I have one favorite that it's, it's, it's like a heart, and we call it the bull heart. There's hardly any seeds, Charlie, and it's, oh, nice. it's our favorite. There you go. Well, thanks for and sharing then that. I have another oh. one. It's huge. <laughs> Two tomatoes were 76 ounces. Wow. Two tomatoes. That's wow. like poundage. Yeah, 76 ounces, I think it's what? Two of them was maybe what, four and a half pounds? Yeah, wow. wow. That's massive. Anyhow, so I would like, if, if I may, maybe I'll, I would like to get the podcast so I'll, uh, I'll watch, mm-hmm. um, you know, or I follow because... As you know, Charlie, you know, I like fruit trees, but uh, I like my garden, too. I knew that. That's why I saw you had called. I said to Stephen and Emma, John's okay, going to have to This time, Charlie, um, and I don't, know, I don't know if I'm feeding them too much. My rose bushes this year, they are around, eight, you know, there's branches eight feet high. Mm. Am uh, I doing something wrong? Uh, what kind of roses are they? Do you know? Um, they're mixed, uh, you but, know, but I have, they... um, hybrid, I have, oh. uh, Floribunda. Okay. 
You know, there's, but there's what, I think, three of them. My God, you know, I have to trim them. <laughs> okay, you will, but I try to not trim them until it gets a little cooler, but if they're dangerous, then obviously you do have to trim them, meaning That's they're going to the hurt somebody. I them, yes. Yeah, because, and... Know, they, they go down, like, you know, and if you're passing from near the patio and so on. Yeah, they get um, dangerous. And in the wind, before winter, you want to trim them down just because they're going to flip around in the wind so much they could break. Mm-hmm. So you'll bring them down, you know, even down to waist height, kind of height. In the spring, you're going to go way down, down to ankle height. So you'll do some real hard pruning in the spring with your roses. The eight feet is interesting. I have floribundas that I only planted last fall. I expected them to grow maximum three feet tall. And I bet yeah, you they're five I mean, Charles, feet. Yeah, I, I mean, so, I, don't think, I don't think I had this problem before. Yeah, well, um, the big. thing is, I'm telling you what, I put, I put um, banana powder. I put coffee grind. That makes them tall. <laughs> that do they? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. That, so, it's, you know what? Do all that wonderful feeding with organics, synthetics, um, all kinds of compost, all that important stuff in the spring, and then hold off. Because roses love to be fed in the spring, but if you don't want them to be eight feet tall, then just do that proper feeding. Okay. okay. And, and so don't keep I, doing I figure, it. I figured I'm overfeeding them, you know. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, I figured that much. Yeah. Um, and, and no Nobody should be but, feeding. But otherwise, otherwise, you know, they're healthy. They're, the leaves are green, and, and I didn't have any. Yeah. I hardly have any, what you call it, uh, leaf rot yeah. or whatever it's called. Black spot. Yeah, good. Well, that's great, John. And I, I think it has been a pretty good year. Again, good for tomatoes, good for roses. Lots of sun, lots of dry, right. though. We're getting some humidity yeah. now, but the heat is very, very good for so many of these and plants. lots of apples and lots of pears. Yeah. This year has been fantastic yeah. for me. I, I mean, to, to be honest with you, Bambanella so and so. Uh, okay. Peaches. I have the peaches uh, and and, and peaches the and the uh, apples and and the, and the pears. They are. To, de- to be honest with you, the squirrel is my enemy. <laughs> the squirrel. Oh, I think idea. it's everybody's enemy. Anyhow, um, so <laughs> thanks, Charlie. Thanks for calling. I'm, I'm overfeeding them. So yeah. next year, I'll. And again, if I may, because this is a little bit to me confusing. Will you trim them in the spring, or will you trim them in the fall? Trim them just to be safe, to make them safe and your people safe in the fall. Do just which brings them down to at the most knee height, and then Uh in the spring ankle height. So hard pruning in the spring, not in the fall. Spring, okay, I'm gonna write this. Okay, yeah, just you get your pen. We'll say bye bye. Write this down. Trim your roses. Now, this is not climbing roses, and this is not shrub roses, but generally, trim roses. To your so knees, ankle height? knees in the fall, ankles in the spring. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye, John. Bye. <laughs> Love it. Have Char- you grown that? Have you heard of that? Bullheart? No, I have not, but, but there's so many tomato was, varieties out there. I think you've there's probably like grown 15,000 varieties, I so I got a long ways to go before I can grow them all. 15,000, that's going to take a few years. Yeah. Charlie, I was just thinking as John was talking about the fruit harvest, mm-hmm. my neighbor Natalie invited me over to pick Dolgo crab apples last week. Oh, yeah. And uh, when, when John was talking about squirrels, mm-hmm. my, my thought on squirrels and fruit is here in the city where there's lots of squirrels, mm. if you grow smaller fruit, it's just less fruit. Frustrating. There's enough to share. Mm. So rather than growing a dwarf apple tree that'll give you 12 apples that the squirrels will definitely take a bite out of each one, mm. grow a, a crab apple with some culinary properties like that dolgo. Mm. And it made just an amazing applesauce. Is that really? Beautiful red mm. color. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Beautiful. Well, you know, I say that to people too about tomatoes is I love beefsteak tomatoes so much, but the squirrels will take a bite out of every single <laughs> tomato on the plant. So if you're having that problem, try currant or cherry tomatoes, which I find that they don't really bother. Mm. And overall, you'll just have more. So try that too, or at least have one or two of those plants if you're having squirrel problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, don't try and fight the squirrels. Like just recognize. I always think back to when the Obamas were in the White House and they used to plant thousands and thousands of tulip bulbs every Every fall, not them personally, but their gardeners would. There was always, like, literally thousands. There was always an extra th- thousand added in for the squirrels because the expectation was the squirrels are coming. Just don't fight them. Just add, put in extras, knowing that they're coming. Right? They're going to yeah. mess up your design anyway. So just accept it, but put in extras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At my house right now, I don't have squirrels because I don't have a lot of big trees, but I do have a lot of tomato hornworms. Oh. Interesting. So eh? I saw my first one last week. I'm working at an urban farm yes. at Downsview Park. Mm-hmm. And we were going through these rows of tomatoes and we were pruning. And I saw, I'd seen all this little poop on the pathways. And I'm like, huh, that looks like caterpillar poop. I wonder mm. what that is. And I was pruning and then I saw this tomato hornworm, which I'd only ever seen in photos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I did not want to see they're pretty that. pretty massive, eh? Oh, yeah. And they're so well camouflaged. So good eye to see it. I, I always know I've got when leaves are missing, you know, you've got yeah. a hornworm. Well, in there. you know what? I've spotted some missing leaves at home. Mm-hmm. And last year, a neighbor said to me that she has them. And I'm like, OK, I hope they stay over there. Yeah. But now I'm seeing missing leaves. Yeah. But I've been searching for this hornworm and I cannot find it. Camouflage. Yeah, it's there. But even so and they'll even take the odd bite out of the fruit, the tomato fruit. But I've got so many tomatoes, I'm feeling the same way about the hornworms as I am about the squirrels. You know, just like, share. Yeah, exactly. There's yep. enough for all of us, really. Just leave <laughs> my special varieties alone and you're all good. <laughs> exactly. Alright, looks like it's time for us to take one more short break and we'll be right back to hear more from Stephen and Emma and their tips and tricks right after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, and we are back. My special guests, Emma and Stephen Biggs. I do want to mention for people that are pretty scintillated by this good conversation we're having, having emmabiggs.ca. So Emma, obviously, and then B as in Bob, I, G as in George, another G as in George, S. So emmabiggs.ca for all the updates on what Emma's up to, plus seeds. If you're interested in growing some of these amazing tomatoes, seed sales happen through that particular website, right? Yeah, I will be selling seeds later this year. So currently they are... Tomato seeds are being fermented and drying in my basement, but later in the year when they're all packaged up and ready, they will be for sale through my website. There you go. And also follow you on Instagram to get the day-by-day updates on what's going on. Oh, yeah. You can see everything that's happening in the garden. I know. You have posted some beautiful pictures. All Thank the you. colorful tomatoes. And yeah, no, it's very cool. She's she's great at the pictures. I remember coming home last fall and there were slices of radish all over the kitchen floor and I thought, <laughs> what's going on? But Emma? 
is really well, creative about that. the kitchen floor is a good background because it's oh, like the- a dark tile. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. See, we were just saying, these young people, just so everybody knows, if you're not watching this live and seeing that Emma is a teenager, she is a mere 16 years old with her old gray-haired dad. So <laughs> this 16-year-old, you know, very intuitive when it comes to gra- you know, the graphic arts and the social yeah. media. Yeah, yeah, she is my mentor on Instagram. Uh, my daughter's supposed to be mine, but sometimes she gets busy and <laughs> stops helping me. So when you don't see me posting, that's why. Yeah. All right, let's go. Uh, Susan's been waiting for quite a while. Let's see if she's still on the line uh, calling in from Hamilton. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, special guests. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi. Um, sorry, my question isn't with figs or tomatoes, although my tomatoes have done terrible this year. But what I'm calling about is I have a hibiscus plant. And I have what I think is a croton or crouton. Uh, it's dark green with bright yellow dots all over it. Mm-hmm. I have them in the house all, all winter, mm-hmm. take them outside in the summer. This year, for the first time, they are covered in white bugs. Do they uh, fly? Are they bugs with wings? Yes, they flutter. It's, it's a cloud. If you hit the plant, it's a cloud. White flies, Now, I, yeah. I went and I had some safers and sexicidal soap. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they're aphids or white flies. They're white fly. Yeah. They're white they're flies. Not going and so away. The... I bought Safer's Endall. Mm. So it works on white and flies. And they're not going away. And they were even around my tomato plants. Here's How what you do need I get to rid do. of them? Because they're killing these plants. Yeah. And, and, the, they're and the leaves now on the two plants are starting, they're black. Yeah, yeah, they're going, uh, you know, okay, so that's partially the end all outside on a hot day in the sun. So you got to oh, isolate. Do it in the sun. Okay, good. But isolate for starters the hibiscus and the croton from every other plant in your world, whether it's indoors or outdoors. Like if you have to put them in the bathroom with the door closed, isolate so you're only working on killing insects on those two plants and there's no chance of reinfection. Okay. Start with that. Isolate. And then the trick with soap is to repeat because the soap will kill all of those adult white flies, but it won't touch the eggs. So because of that, you want to repeat every week or two and uh, and come back at it three or four times. Yeah. And I've, end I've all... been doing that, maybe not as regular as, as you know, yeah. a week, but, but yeah, they're, seven they're to... just not going away. And I don't want to bring them in the house for the fall because Th- they're terrible. That's fine. So if you can, if you have a shed or garage or someplace or just somewhere separate from the other garden plants, keep them outside. Okay. Start with water. Wash them all down with a hose. Get them all cleaned up. If you've got leaves that are not green or not photosynthesizing, not supporting the plant, cut them back. Personally, okay. with a hibiscus and even with a croton, I would get out my pruners and I would take off a bunch of tips because that's where the majority of your insects are is the newest the tip growth so I would prune them back yes you're going to lose flowers so it goes you're going to get them later that's okay I don't want to lose the plant yeah so prune both of them back tips right back by about a third and every time you cut off a tip, you take that tip and you put it into a green garbage bag and you close the green garbage bag right away. And then okay. you cut another tip and then you open the bag quickly and drop that little cutting in and close it. Because you want to, again, you're trying to minimize that population of insects by controlling them in that bag. Okay. Then you get out your spray. And like Stephen said, soap will work, but Endol will work as well. Endol used to have canola oil in it, which made it even more effective, I think. But I think okay. now it's more pyre- soap and pyrethrins in it. But Follow the directions. I think you have to shake it very consistently. Yes, yes. Temperature matters. Sun, like sun, definitely matters. Never spray in the sun on a hot day. So no, um, no I don't. I yeah. I have them actually. They're in a over our uh, 
a gazebo type thing, yeah. so they're shaded all almost Good. all the time. Yeah, and like Stephen said, the the spray will kill the bugs on contact, but you have to contact them, and white flies fly pretty quick. So you're running yeah. around chasing these little white flies, spraying, trying to cover their little bodies. They will die if they, uh, um, you know, are coated with the uh, with the spray. But okay, again, you, you have to, to do isolate it. them, like in a shed or a garage. Yeah, like, if you can. they wouldn't be getting the sun then or light. That's, would that still be okay to do that? It's not good in the long run, but it's a good way to at least get them pest free. So yeah, in if you have run. to isolate for two weeks, it's probably still worth it. Okay. 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 Thanks All right, for calling. Because I don't want to lose them. They bring lots of light and color into the house right. in the wintertime. Of so. course, they're beautiful. And, you yeah. know, it, but white fly is a tough one. It's a tough oh. one to get to really, really get rid of entirely. Yeah, because I've taken these plants out now for, oh, half a dozen or eight years and, mm. and never had these before. And they're around my tomatoes and, you know. The good thing so. is the white fly will die outside in the winter. It will not survive the winter as far, like, certainly as far as I know. But, if any comes in with your plants, then it'll sure. survive indoors. Yeah. I should I should add with my hibiscus when I bring them in for winter, uh, my family laughs at me, but I pick off every single leaf, yeah, so they do. look like Denuded. the Grinch's Christmas tree, right? <laughs> uh, but but they grow back quickly, and in picking off all the leaves and giving, I give a spray of soap or two. There Just are no the white flies that make it into my house. I'm, right. I'm very thorough with that. Interesting. So you, so the poor little things are green and lush after the summer outside. Oh, they yeah. might even have buds oh, on there's them. There's buds all over. So I feel mean. But I've I, had enough times I've had white fly infestations in the house over the winter mm-hmm. that uh, I'm, I'm willing to oh, do that. Yeah. Well, good. That's a good tip. Write that one down, everybody. Strip the foliage off your, your favorite tropical plants as you're bringing them in, particularly the, the vigorous ones like the hibiscus. Yeah, and the hibiscus are magnets for white flies, I, know I find. They are. So that's why I'm. I'm particularly cruel with them. It's a good idea, you know, because I had a really cool one that I did eventually have to throw, toss out. It was a double apricot colored oh. hibiscus, which oh. is a very unusual hibiscus, but the white fly did me in. I gave up. It was too much spraying and it never got rid of them. <laughs> All right. Back in a flash, last little break here, and then we're back with Stephen and Emma Biggs with more tips and tricks. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we are still here for a few more minutes, and it looks like Diane is on the line, calling in from Toronto. Good morning, Diane. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Uh, I have a question for Emma. I grow tomatoes in pots, and I was wondering, I tend to get bottom um, end rot, and I was wondering if there's certain varieties that are resistant to bottom end rot, or is it strictly a result of, like, inconsistent watering? Yeah, that is a great question. So, as you mentioned, blossom end rot is from that inconsistent moisture level so that the plants can't suck up the calcium, and then you get blossom end rot. But, however, I have found that there are varieties that are more, um, do tend to get blossom end rot more, so often paste or roma types will get blossom end rot. I've seen it a couple times in my garden this year. However, beefsteak and cherry varieties don't tend to get it. So, just I'd look for varieties that aren't paste or roma and give those a try in the garden. Hmm. Oh, interesting. And Diane, how big are the pots you're growing in? Uh, they're probably about uh, oh, 20 inch at least. Oh, so okay. good size. Well, yeah, they're good size. Um, and I, I do have the, actually I have the Roma, and I noticed those were the ones that got the most. But I have that in a stand-up garden. Mm. So it's okay. quite large. It's probably by hmm. uh, maybe three by four. 
Okay. Well, something that we were chatting about here on the show before we actually started was about sub-irrigation or self-watering pots. And that's a fantastic way to fix blossom end rot because that helps you get that consistent moisture level. And that way you won't have that problem. Yeah. They are do I must say though they are doing a lot better now than they were at the beginning of the season. So I am um, getting some some produce, you know. Good. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I did differently this year I've never done before is when I grow in pots, and I'm always you know one of my sort of mantras to my different uh, people I speak with is you know potting soils for the pots and garden soils for the garden. But this year for the first time ever I put some garden soil in my pots, so oh. I did end up with about a third garden soil and two thirds potting mix in my pots where my tomatoes are, and, and? I think that has helped. Because okay. potting soil dries out so quickly, quickly, and it shrinks away so quickly when it's dry. It's virtually yeah. impossible to ever wet it once it's dry. So having that topsoil in there has really helped with okay. soil, with moisture retention, and that shrinkage factor isn't as extreme. So my yeah. blossom end rod is virtually non-existent. Great. That's oh, a great good. tip. Okay. Yeah. I'll try that then. Thanks to uh, both of you. Yeah, but make sure if you're doing topsoil into pots or any kind of garden soil that is a good size, you know, minimum 20-inch size pot. Mm-hmm. You're in a little six or eight inch pot strictly yeah. potting soil in there <laughs> and no tomatoes uh-huh. I do yeah. that with figs by the way too yeah. my figs in large pots I mix mm-hmm. in some garden soil mm-hmm. too yeah yeah and any raised bed I think that that's kind of kind of the thing so tell us a bit more about your the sub irrigation Emma what um what's an example of how you're sub irrigating so you can go camping and not be at home and water every twice a day or whatever yeah. it is well in the back garden well first of all our neighbor has a massive black walnut tree and mm. for those listeners who don't know black walnut trees give off something called juglone which basically poisons tomato plants and anything in that family which means that I can't unfortunately grow tomatoes in the ground and the entire back half of our lot and so we made these raised beds except they have basically an isolated reservoir in the bottom that we fill up with water and that water will wick up through the soil the plants get constant moisture meaning no blossom end rot and it also means I don't have to water as much and since these um, reservoirs at the bottom are massive the size of a raised bed I can water once a week if I'm on top of things and they still do really well and they're sealed at the bottom so the water's not dissipating into the ground and the mm. juggalone's not working its way up into your raised beds. Exactly. Yeah. And these are, did you build these, Stephen? So these are like I built, t- built I with built two by fours? Uh, with, I actually found better value in buying cedar posts that mm. I notched with my chainsaw, but you don't have to go to that extent. If anybody's interested in the idea of wicking beds, I put an article up on my website because I got so many questions about it. So Good. foodgardenlife.com. Food garden life, all one word. Food garden life, all one word, uh, dot com. And it's in there, I think, under vegetable growing. But just email me if you don't find it. I'll send it to you with pictures because sometimes it's a bit hard to visualize. But I tell you, for people with black walnut trees or if you want to water less, this idea of a wicking bed is so powerful. And we're needing it. Um, uh, we're all noticing. I mean, if you've gardened in the same place for more than 10 years, which certainly many of our listeners have, and I, I'm sure you have, Stephen, I'm new where I am now, but still, you start seeing changes. You start seeing, I mean, you know, climate change is real, whether it's hotter summers or wetter winters or whatever it is, bigger wind, you really start noticing that if you're out in a garden. 
And we are getting drier. I know mm-hmm. British Columbia is a lot yep. drier than they yeah. used to be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, these raised beds can, can alleviate your day so you can get out there and mm-hmm. lie in the hammock and eat figs or whatever the case yeah. may be. But on a smaller scale, too, if, if you don't need a big raised bed, you can get what's called a sub-irrigation planter or simply sometimes called a self-watering pot. Mm-hmm. So on our garage rooftop where we garden, too. Yeah. We have these smaller containers, and you can put those on patios, on driveways, and same idea. You don't have to water as much. I think something we should note, too, is that we've bought a few, and they're quite expensive, but Mm -hmm. your dad made some homemade, and they work amazing. I actually find that the reservoir on the homemade ones is bigger, and they work better than the store-bought ones. And that was like Rubbermaid tubs or kind of plastic tubs. And I've seen people also, if you have a, a very decorative pot that you want to keep, you can retrofit it with a reservoir and it's not that hard to do there you go well yeah. there you go so foodgardenlife.com if you don't find the information you're looking for through that website you can email Stephen for email more information yeah. Stephen's a very nice guy he will respond I can promise you he'll respond to your questions and of course we want to talk to Emma it's emmabiggs.ca so both of yeah. you are pretty famous writers authors speakers radio hosts and thank you being great guests on this show Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. It's been a ton of fun. We still have a minute or so. Anything I have neglected to mention that you wanted to mention? Hmm. Well, let's see. I got some awesome tomato varieties that I love written down in a list because I find when I'm on air, I forget them. So I wanted to say one of my all-time favorite tomatoes is a variety called Sunrise Bumblebee. Mm. And it's a larger cherry tomato and it has, it won't crack and has a delicious sweet flavor. And on the outside, it's yellow with red stripes. It's beautiful. It's delicious. It's really productive. So that's one of my all-time favorite tomatoes. All right. So we can get seeds from you for that one. Oh, yeah. Through emmabigs.ca. And my favorite is one we call Lebanese Mountain. Uh, a Lebanese customer gave it to me decades ago. I've kept the seed and we grew a three pound Lebanese Mountain one year. And, but it's just a, a really big slicer, thin skinned. It's your perfect tomato for a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Is it red? Yeah. It's a ready pink color. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It's beautiful. Love it's it. Oh, two tomato. good tips. So Lebanese Mountain and Sunrise Bumblebee, the favorite tomatoes this year. We'll get you back next year and see what your favorites are then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always changes. There you go. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank yeah. you, Carlos. Couldn't do this without you. Good listeners, good callers. Keep it coming. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.